Welcome to episode 28 of the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, Monday, December 5th. Joined in the studio by Blaine Disrude, a trader and research analyst. Welcome. Hi. Trevor Nargis is senior trader at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Getting into it this week, somewhat of the calm before the storm. We got a big Fed decision coming up next week, and markets are really going to be watching to see what happens there. Paid very close attention to what Jerome Powell was saying this past week when he spoke. Consensus now seems to be a 50 basis point rate hike. Um, we'll kind of see how that plays out, how the market digests that. Really, it's going to be that forward guidance. I mean, just like we've seen with earnings calls this year, it's been all about forward guidance and kind of that talk of what they see down the road been the same thing with the Fed. So we'll see what happens there. But we can get into strengths, just kind of digesting what took place throughout November, right? I think a strength was just price action and direction over the course of November. Since we saw, you know, there's a low in September, we rallied up, kind of went back on the way down, then we kind of bottomed mid-October. But since then, price action has been really strong. You know, asset class returns in November of 2022, you know, many different asset classes were up on the month with the exception of pretty much the US dollar and WTI. But with that being said, we're seeing a lot of things down year to date. Emerging market did make a strong bounce back. And I think that goes with the dollar weakening, along with the idea that China is potentially reopening. We talked about that a few times past. We heard more news over the weekend that some of those cities are starting to loosen those restrictions with the idea of not necessarily coming out and saying, hey, we're reopening, but just quietly uh, opening up you know, production and getting things back online. I also think the weakness of oil is more a reflection of what's been happening with interest rates, the idea that the economy may be slowing, and then has to be watched because there is the idea that China may reopen, which would increase demand. You do have OPEC saying that they're going to hold to their cuts, which kind of puts a floor under that oil price. So there might be a a position there that is starting to find a bottom uh, as far as oil goes. Yeah. And that feeds into some of those, you know, a lot of firms are starting to release their 2023 outlooks and whatnot. And you see a decent amount of these places having, um, higher estimates for the end of year price for oil in 2023. I think another strength right now is going to be kind of the corporate debt situation. I know we've talked about that over and over and over again offline as a team. You're thinking of the impact of rate hikes and how that affects some of these companies. You know, the the goal of rate hikes is to help slow things down, kind of make conditions a little more stricter. But I think one thing that's interesting to note is that a lot of companies did a really good job of refinancing and locking in lower rates um, when we did have, you know, near zero interest rates. About 75% of S&P debt is fixed versus the 40% that we were seeing in 2007. And the maturity on that debt is 11 years now versus the seven years that we saw back in 2007. Going to the consumer as well, you look at household mortgages, right? Right now, almost like 90% of US mortgages are fixed versus 65% in 2007. So that kind of begs the question, you know, are rate hikes kind of having as big of an impact as the Fed would like them to have? That's obviously the million dollar question. Not to say that 
that isn't having an impact whatsoever. You know, we're seeing slowdowns in the housing market. Um, we're seeing things kind of peel back in general. But I think kind of dialing back and going back to my point on corporations is that um, those companies have done a really good job of kind of managing their debt situation. Now, when that debt do- does come due, they might need to refinance at higher rates. We'll see what happens then. But I think in its current state that that debt situation is somewhat of a strength. Speaking of the mortgages, that goes to the same thing with the homeowners. I mean, a lot of them locking in fixed rates and coming in with a better balance sheet than what they had going through the great financial crisis, they're going to be sitting there not looking to liquidate their home or have to liquidate their home. And that puts the consumer in a better spot longer term. It's just a matter of how well does the consumer hold up from the other inflationary impacts that they face this year. And we've talked about that a number of times. Let's uh, dig into weaknesses. We've talked about the you know, what debt situation was and how that's strong. The yield curve, though, is, I mean, extremely inverted, and that is signaling a recession. We've talked about that before as well, but really, I mean, we have not seen an inversion of this magnitude in 40-plus years. Uh, and that, in and of itself, when we've seen this size of an inversion, it really does mean a recession should be on its way. Well, and not just on the two and the 10 year, right? That seems to be the one that a lot of people pay attention to, but one that we also watch pretty closely is that three month and the 10 year. We we saw that in invert as well. And that's typically more of a, I guess, current gauge of, hey, you know, you might, you might be looking like you're in a recession right now. And I think with that, anytime you see that inversion, it can happen, but when it's sustained, that's when you really have an impact because you're incentivizing people to save money or hold on to the the paychecks that they get, put it in the bank and actually earn some interest on their money instead of going out and, and spending it because they can they can earn something on it now. Uh, granted, inflation is high, but with the idea that spending and the consumer has been feeling that pinch this year, tightening up that belt is encouraged with where rates are. Right. And I think on that rates conversation, that also feeds into valuations, equity risk premiums, things that we've talked about in the past. But I think that's a weakness in and of itself is the current valuation of the broader market. So when I say that, I'm talking about the S&P 500. And right now, if you're looking at, let's assume, 2023 earnings, the market is trading at almost 18 times those 2023 earnings. Now, obviously, when you look back over the course of history, people cite the average P.E. ratios for bear markets and whatnot. So, right, it's a it's it is just that it's an average of what we've seen over that time frame. You know, we did get as low as about 15 times uh, earlier this year. But the market trading at 18 times earnings, given the current economic backdrop, given kind of the sentiment that we've gotten from company guidance, it, it seems that those valuations look a little rich right now. You know, we look at also the equity risk premium on the broader market too. And that's sitting at a level that would suggest that the market might be a little overvalued at these levels. And I think that's a bit of a push-pull relationship with interest rates where the equity side of the market is anticipating lower rates, which would mean valuations could come up. However, the bond market is pricing in a potential recession, which means valuations should probably come down given that recession is on the way. And, And that's what we've been seeing play out over the past few months is that that push-pull relationship. Right. And it is a difficult thing to gauge, right? Like like you highlighted, there's all that going on. Then you have 
also the factor of what will earnings look like, right? Will earnings continue to be strong like we've seen this year? Or do we finally start to see those maybe pull back a little yeah. bit like many have been anticipating? Um, so definitely something to watch. From one other weakness standpoint, you know, we don't want to focus on trading too much, but the market's sitting right at about its 200-day moving average. That's been a key level of resistance throughout the year. So we'll see how, how things play out, given the fact that we've started to see kind of flows coming into the market start to fall off. But I think with that being said, Blaine, what do you got for opportunities? I still like emerging markets at some point. I think there's opportunity there. I think there has been over discounting and the idea that China is not going to reopen at some point. Um, I mean, opening that up is just, there's a lot of pent up demand and held up uh, production in China right now, given the given the shutdowns that they have. Well, and even just in the broader international space, you know, this year the U.S. has been somewhat of a relative oasis given the strength of the dollar and how our economy has held up compared to the rest of the world. But I think going forward and, you know, for 2023 as well is that, you know, there's some opportunities that are presenting themselves in the international space. You look at the valuation spread on something like the MSCI, all country world, X the U.S. compared to the S&P 500. The valuation spread between those two makes an interesting case, makes a compelling case for international equities. And then you look at the dividend yield as well, and that's something that's super interesting to note as well. I think factoring that in, you know, you also have 2023 potentially looking at some opportunities for income-oriented assets, whether that be in the fixed income side of things or in the equity side of things. And that's not to say that that space isn't going to be volatile over the next year or even two years. It's just that valuations and how those economies are situated right now should suggest that they do well going forward relative to what the U.S. has done most recently. Yeah, and also going forward too, you know, we've been saying this for a little while now, is that there might be some opportunities in the fixed income space and like investment grade and corporates going forward, even longer, longer dated treasuries. You know, you've seen those type of assets just get absolutely beaten down this year. It's been one of the worst years on record for investment grade bonds, longer dated treasuries. Typically when you see a sell-off like you have, it tends to make a compelling case over the next couple of years. And a lot of that has been interest rate driven. It's not credit spreads widening, especially in the investment grade space. The investment grade space is balance sheet wise is very healthy. The issue that you ran into there is interest rates were as low as they were. And when they came up, it, it brought those bond prices down. So investment grade space is looking at, from a relative standpoint, like you're getting compensated well enough uh, to look at that space. Right. And that kind of goes back to, like I was talking about yield, right? So we just talked about fixed income. But I think going forward in 2023, if we do see some volatility throughout the year in 2023, you might be wanting to, maybe maybe that makes a case for income-oriented equities. So dividend payers, dividend growers, those companies that tend to be a little more resilient if we are in a recession, if we do see kind of tougher economic conditions, those companies that hold up a little better. So obviously throughout the course of this year, you know, a lot of people's minds have gone to staples as being defensive, but things of that nature where you're also getting some income from the stocks that you own. And then they also have some pricing power. Their earnings are a little more stable, a little more resilient in the face of tougher economic conditions. We can move on to threats here, Blaine. What do you have? Okay, so this one's a little out there. The large number of economists and strategists out there, like if you look at the the big big powerhouses as far as banks and strategists go, 
they are more or less coming in with the exact same consensus of next year is going to be flat, but in between from January to December, it's going to be super volatile. And I just, I think it's overcrowded as a thought where you can almost, I don't want to say guarantee, but you can almost like look out and say, if everyone's saying the market's going to end at 4,000 next year on the S&P 500, it's likely not going to end at 4,000 next year on the S&P 500. Like pinpointing one spot on the market, and that's where everyone's starting to look at and say, oh, right around 4,000 for next year. That's it, It's becoming a, a consensus view that means it might be getting overthought and overcrowded. Yeah, maybe there's some looking at other people's homework there. You know, it's 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 tough to it's tough to know exactly what the thought process that goes into those type of conclusions at each and every shop. But definitely, you know, it's it goes back to something we've said over the course of this year is kind of that contrarian approach. Now, obviously, you don't want to be contrarian just for the sake of being contrarian, but maybe there's things that aren't being factored in by some major players, and so that's where you you know you need to step in and kind of take a different thought process. And with that, it's not that it's like. Okay, everyone's thinking that, so that's a problem. It's how people position their portfolios based on those thoughts. Like, if everyone's starting to position their portfolios in the same manner, it's becoming a one-sided trade, which turns into an issue down the road. So it's just, that's what I'm getting at there is there could be potential for some overcrowding in some of those uh, asset classes given the thought process going into 2023. I think another threat given what we just discussed a little earlier would be the threat for multiple compression going forward. Can the market kind of sustain these elevated valuations? Maybe earnings come in to help justify those val- or maybe you know earnings improve to help justify those valuations. But thinking of it from a threat standpoint is that further multiple compression on the market uh, would present some downside. You know, we talked about the consumer and getting at like weaker potential earnings and then having to have the multiple compress. GDP estimates came down again from the Atlanta Fed, uh, and that's in relation to the consumer weakening, which we also talked about earlier, uh, that this fourth quarter might be like one of the larger or last pushes by the consumer going into the holiday season uh, and then looking into 2023 as a weaker spending year. And I think that is highlighted again with that Fed print of coming out with a weaker GDP estimate. And spinning that consumer point into kind of the labor market, you know, currently, if you look at the job openings ratio to the unemployment rate, still pretty high there. So the threat is that the Fed gets what they want. They start to kind of see some weakness in the labor market. They're getting what they want. They, you know, in, in essence, they they are kind of weakening the labor market with with their policy movements. So the threat there is that we start to see labor market come in a little bit. Consequently, we then see consumer spending start to dial back because household balance sheets aren't as strong. People aren't earning as much as they have been. I think another threat too for the year going forward is that inflation stays elevated. The Fed has made it very clear that they want to do pretty much everything they can to bring that down. You know, we're seeing them tighten the balance sheet. We're seeing them hike interest rates, continuing to make that push. The threat would be that maybe there is a little bit of stop and go action. And I think we'll get a better gauge of that given Powell's comments next week. But the threat is that they decide to pull off the gas too early and you get kind of this whipsaw effect in policy, which, like many shops are saying, you would see a little more volatility then throughout the course of the year because there's kind of this stop and go aspect where they let off the gas, realize that they haven't done enough, and then you know put their foot back on the gas and you get kind of that whipsaw effect. I think that goes hand in hand with messaging too. Like the Fed has to 
stay true to their messaging. I, I know there's data points that they have to follow and react to. Uh, that's just how they're mandated or like how they've set up their monitoring of interest rates and what they're going to do with hikes and tightening. But if they deviate from messaging or to your point, stop, go, give us some whipsaw type effect, that's a, a potential threat for the market because then the market doesn't know which way to go. We'll wrap with our headlines. What's our headline strength? Some of the recent asset price moves in the emerging market space, and then also some of the debt situation that we see out there. Headline weakness? That we're seeing a historically deep inversion in the yield curve. Headline opportunity? Emerging markets and the international space both look like there could be an opportunity. And our headline threat? Is everyone piling into the bear camp? Does does positioning then kind of reflect that sentiment that we've seen from other shops and investors start to follow suit? Blaine Disrude, trader, research analyst. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Trevor Nargis, Senior Trader at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.